today. Our gospel passage is found in Matthew chapter 3, and we'll invite you to follow along in just a moment and read verses 13 through 17. It's a little humid back up in there, so if you'll just bear with me. Nancy, where'd you, where'd you go sit? There you are. I'm so thankful, Nancy, to experience your baptism today because you're the first baptismal candidate as, um, for me as the new pastor here at Huguenot Road Baptist Church. So I'll always remember that uh, and never forget it. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right, uh, the Word of God, uh, verses 13 through 17 of Matthew 3. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. And I imagine with some emphasis on the now, now, right now, here and now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son. With him I am well pleased. The Word of God. Thanks be to God. If you're new to us, we're in a message series here at Huguenot Road on rivers in the Bible. And we've called it the river, thinking about our own James here in the river city. And we're studying physical rivers in the Bible that are named and also some figurative rivers. So far, we've focused on physical rivers. The first one was the Jordan River, and we went back and joined the people of Israel as they followed Joshua, their leader, across the dry ground of the Jordan River bed into the promised land of Canaan. And then last Sunday, we joined baby Moses and his family on the banks of the Nile as we watched the story of Moses' birth and the deliverance of the people of Israel from Egyptian bondage unfold. Next Sunday, we are going to join the soon-to-be disciples at the Sea of Galilee, which the Jordan River pours into. So we'll see what it was like to be the first followers of Jesus called to be fishers of men. Today's gospel passage is back at the Jordan River on the banks where Jesus willingly submitted to baptism by John the Baptist. And we're going to unpack why Jesus himself was baptized and what baptism means for Christ's followers. You'll remember that John the Baptist was Jesus' cousin and his contemporary in ministry. He was called the Baptist because he was the baptizing one, went, in, went around baptizing people for repentance of their sins and preparing the way for Jesus who was to come. Some believe that John the Baptist initiated the Baptist denomination. I'm sorry to say that we don't go back that far. Baptist people emerged in England in the early 1600s. But we do have something in common because John the Baptist in his baptism submerged people under the water, and so he got his name that way, and that's where we got our name when we were originally birthed. The literal meaning of baptism in the New Testament is to submerse. The Greek word is baptizo. And in every case that I studied in Scripture, it means 
to go under and come out of the water. Other denominations baptize differently than we do, and that's okay. The most important thing is that we worship one God, one Lord and Savior, and that we have one ultimate baptism in Jesus Christ, our Lord. John, in his baptizing, was preparing people for Jesus who was to come. Many Jewish people experienced baptism as ritual washings in their faith. It was a religious ritual of cleansing. But the baptism John offered was once. It didn't happen over and over and over again. And this was pretty unprecedented. John also was a prophet, a person called by God to speak on behalf of God. The Jewish people then believed that he was a prophet. There was no doubting that. So they listened to him as they would have listened to Elijah or Elisha or Jeremiah, Isaiah, Ezekiel in the Old Testament. To ignore the words of John the Baptist would be to ignore God. So they followed him and they were baptized. John went all over the desert region baptizing people. God called John the Baptist to proclaim that Jesus was coming. Matthew 3.11, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Verse 13, then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. He came out of obedience to his heavenly father. And it is here that many scholars believe Jesus initiated or began his public ministry. He had been preparing 30 years, and now the time had come for him to begin the three-year journey to the cross. As you and I probably would, John tried to deter him, saying, No, no, you need to baptize me. I am not worthy to baptize you. But Jesus would not have it any other way. Have you ever wondered why Jesus submitted to baptism? If baptism is something that sinful people do in repentance of sins and seeking forgiveness through their confessions to God and accepting God, then why would Jesus, who was perfect and without sin, su- submit to something such as that alongside sinful people? If we can understand that Jesus later, as he died on the cross, he journeyed to the cross and ultimately died on the cross, that he would be immersed in suffering, that he would be immersed in humiliation, immersed in pain, immersed in agony, then you can sense that the immersion in the Jordan was preparing his immersion of suffering on our behalf. And ultimately, he would defeat death and he would be raised again to new life and would equip his disciples to begin the church. Jesus told John that what he was doing was to fulfill righteousness. Here, it's not fulfilling Old Testament prophecy as, as much as it is Fulfilling the will of God. Jesus is fulfilling the will of God through baptism because baptism marks the beginning of his entire purpose, which was to come and give his life that we might have life. Jesus proclaims this in his purpose in ministry in Luke 4.18. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners, sight for uh, recovery of sight for those who are blind, and to set the oppressed free. 
to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And John and the crowd watched with amazement as Jesus walked into the rugged waters of the Jordan River saying, you are to baptize me today. Could you imagine what it would have been like if you were John the Baptist or some of the others gathered? Could you just imagine what it would have been like? The miniseries, The Bible, gives us a glimpse of what it may have been like. And I'm going to invite you to watch the screen for a brief clip. This is the Son whom I love. With Him I am well pleased. The Jordan River stretches from all the way up in the north, some 160 miles to the south, from high sea level to to below sea level. The snow of Mount Hermon supplies its steady stream. It is there where Jesus chose to be baptized. The place where he chose, I believe, was intentional. It's the same place where Joshua led the people of Israel across on dry land. It's the same place where God drew the boundary for Abraham and Lot. It's the same place where God parted the waters for Elijah and Elisha, the prophets. And it's the same place where David crossed as his wayward son Absalom chased him. And Jesus did something new in this place. He went to that section where God did something new and he led the people into a new land. We talked about this on Heritage Day just a couple of weeks ago. That God is always doing something new. Jesus came out of the water and the sky opened up and the Holy Spirit descends on Jesus. And then God says, this is my son whom I love with him. I am well pleased. 
God is doing something new. When you and I surrender to Jesus Christ, He is doing something new in our hearts. When we surrender to baptism as a follower of Christ and join Christ's church, He is doing something new in and through us. This passage tells us that Jesus is the Son of God as well. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And it speaks of the incarnation that God became a man. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory. The glory of one and only, the one and only who came from the Father full of grace and truth. Jesus, the Son of the living God, fully God and fully human, surrendered to baptism alongside of sinful people to identify with the fullness of suffering and temptation and the human condition, yet was fully without sin. His baptism signifies something new, His journey to the cross. What does it say for you and me? I believe there are three truths that we can learn if you're taking notes today. The first one is that baptism says we've made a decision. Yes, you've made a decision to follow Jesus. In the Old Testament, crossing Jordan always meant that someone made a decision. So when Jesus chose to follow the will of God, he made the decision to leave Galilee and to go down to the Jordan up right where that place was, where the Israelites crossed over. And he chose to reveal his humanity and begin his journey to the cross. Baptism for us says we've made a decision to cross from death to life. Very truly, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. All things are made new. The second truth we can take away today is that baptism is the beginning of something new for us. The Israelites crossed over to new land, trusting God in a new way. Jesus doing something new. Jesus comes and he wades into the water and he's baptized. No longer would the people put their trust in a nation or religious rules and regulations. Now they put their trust in a person. When you and I are baptized, it symbolizes that we have a new beginning, that we have trusted Jesus, the person, the son of the living God. The Israelite priests carried the Ark of the Covenant across the River Jordan to the other side. The presence of God was to, understood to be in that box, the wooden box, the Ark of the Covenant. But now Jesus is our priest. The glory of God is a person, God in the flesh, who dwells among us. And the Spirit of God descended upon him. The glory of God, God is out of the box. In the days of Joshua and the Israelites crossing over, the Israelite men took 12 stones out of the bed of the River Jordan and took them to the other side. And Joshua took them and they built a memorial to, to, of the stones to remind people what God had done at that particular time. And then Jesus steps into the Jordan and there are no stones to be made into a memorial because Jesus is the capstone. Jesus is the chief stone. Peter writes that Jesus is the living stone, and he's called us to be living stones. As our students go to our nation's capital tomorrow, they will be living stones representing the chief stone, our cornerstone, who is Jesus, the living God. And then third, baptism 
Baptism says that Christ is the center of our lives. It says that we are different. That there's something different about how we act in this world. If Christ is the center, then Christ is sovereign and He is my life. That I willingly yield control of my life to God, even though I don't fully understand or comprehend what God is doing around me. Or why other people do the things that they do. That we desire for our thoughts to be God's thoughts, our ways to be God's ways. When we see something in the news like we saw in Charleston last week, we step back and we don't understand. We can't comprehend why someone would act out of such hatred towards another group of people that we're supposed to love as human beings. We don't understand. That church, Emmanuel AME Church, is in Charleston, not far from my mom's church. I grew up there. I've walked those streets many a times. I've seen that church. It's one of the most well-regarded and historic churches in our nation. And it breaks our hearts to see what has happened. And yet we do not respond out of hate or out of uh, retribution because God calls us, as Christ is the center of our lives, to be different than the rest of the world. We do not act out of hate. We respond in love because we know that love wins every time. God always wins. And you've seen love emerging out of the ashes of what has occurred because the people have chosen to respond in the way that God would have us to respond. I think, I, I don't know that if I were in their shoes that I could do that. But they have. And it helps us to see that there is a better way. It helps us to see that there is a need for God's people to share the love of Jesus everywhere we go. It, it, it shows us the importance of, of sharing with others that there is a hope greater than we can understand. We are called to be different, to put Jesus at the center. This little altar that you see here at the pulpit was made by fourth grade children at New Highland where I served before I came to Huguenot Road. A long time ago they made it, they signed the bottom of it and it's, it was in a prominent place in my study there and it's in a prominent place in my study here. They put a verse up on top of it from Deuteronomy 5.32 Lay your burdens daily on the altar before God. And then the verse is, so be careful to do what the Lord your God has commanded you. Do not turn aside to the right or to the left. Baptism helps us to understand that we are to keep Jesus at the center. Not to turn to the right and cater to what the world wants us to do or to the left of what the pop culture might be saying or our peer group but what God wants. That's the important thing. So what can we take away? I believe there's one goal that we could all have. I believe that we could all agree on, on this. My hope is that, that our lives could be to please God, period. That our lives could please God, period. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. 
Matthew 17, 15, while he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them and a voice from the cloud said, this is my son whom I love, with him I am well. Please listen to him. 1 Thessalonians 4, 1, live to please God. Galatians 1.10, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. We are called to please God. And as we live out our baptismal vows, we seek daily to do that by His grace. If you've been around our church for a good while, you know Bland Franklin. And last Wednesday, in this very room, we celebrated his life as God had called him home. And one of the stories about his life that emerged in my conversation with his wife, Fran, uh, struck me, and I asked her if I could share it today, and she said yes. You know that if you ever talked to Bland, that he was of the Ben Franklin Franklins, and his, I think Ben was his great, 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 many greats uncle. But he came off of the James Franklin side, Benjamin Franklin's brother. These brothers were involved in the printing press newspaper business. Think about that. And then Fran told me that Bland said this over and over again through his life, that he wanted nothing more than to leave an imprint on the lives of his children, grandchildren, and others. And you would agree that he definitely left an imprint on this church. If you think about a printing press, the characters have to be carved out and then constructed into phrases and sentences and finally the text that you want to print and then it is covered with ink and pressed down on the paper and then copied, and then it is distributed that others can see it. And this speaks to how God desires for us to live our lives. He has marked us with His Son, Christ. He has put the seal of the Spirit on us. For 2 Corinthians one twenty two, By His Spirit, God has stamped us with His eternal pledge, a sure beginning of what He is destined to complete. And the word for stamp in the Greek is phragizo, phragizo, and it means to set a seal upon or set a mark upon or uh, by the impress of a seal or a stamp. Kind of like if you go to a notary and they notarize your paper and they seal the document. Or if, if you have a signet ring, uh, you can press your seal down into wax to seal a letter in, um, in writing. Uh, kings would press their signet seal into legal documents or correspondence. God has stamped us with his spirit. He has called us to leave an imprint on others as we are going. I kind of like it this. God's thumbprint is on us, and he's called us to leave our thumbprint on others, to leave an imprint on this world. So right now, I challenge myself and I challenge all of us to see how we can leave an imprint on the lives of others. That we please God, that we keep Jesus at the center. Stop living under our own unrealistic expectations. Stop, stop trying to please others 
and start living for the sole purpose of pleasing God who has put his seal of approval on us because he who began a good work in us will bring it to completion, says Paul. Like Bland, we'll leave a legacy. What kind of a legacy will we leave? What will be written on our epitaph? What will somebody say about us someday? What kind of impact do we desire to leave in this world? Benjamin Franklin said, and this quote was shared with me by Fran, hide not your talents, they for use were made. What's a sundial in the shade? Let us pray.